This is Coda Radio, episode 214 for July 18th, 2016. everyone, and welcome to Coder Radio, Jupiter Broadcasting's weekly talk show, taking a pragmatic look at the art and business of software development and related technologies. This episode is brought to you by our two fine sponsors, DigitalOcean and Linux Academy. I'll tell you more about those great sponsors as this here show goes on. My name is Chris, and joining us every single week from what I detect is a very upgraded setup. Why, yes, it's Mr. Michael Dominic. Hello, Michael! Hello, Chris. I have a riddle for you. Okay, give it. What sound does a penguin make when it's struck by lightning? <laughs> or, or, I don't know, just buy a new Retel Pro. Oh! <laughs> you are grease penguin lightning over there with your new Retel Pro. Uh, I'm excited. So this has been the saga that's been going on for a few weeks on this show. And now here we are this week, 214. You're actually calling in from the new machine. Uh, even using the new Skype for Linux Alpha. Ah, that's amazing, Mike. That's amazing. So how long have you had it and how's it been? Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Did that physical mute button get you? Yes, it did. Yeah, it gets everybody on. You, so that's yeah. a Yeti. That's a Yeti. <laughs> He's got the Yeti. Yeti. <laughs> All right. So you got you to gotta just keep your hand. See, I'm used to like kind of trying to steady the mic. Mm-hmm. And the mute button's right there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got so, Ryan. Ryan uh, Sipes uh, co-hosted uh, on Linux Action Show. I got him a few times during Linux Action Show too. It always happens. Just, did you just do it again? Did you seriously? No, I did not. Oh, I, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, You're the best. I love you. I so, want to take right. you home. I want to snuggle you. I want to learn all about your oh, new PC. Oh, you want to snuggle with my new PC? Well, at least that. Yeah. How's, tell me everything. How was the performance? How was the setup? Did you run into any troubles? You know, give me give me like the new PC experience, like, so I can live through you vicariously. Sure, it was pretty good out of the box. Um, it came with a great little robot cutout named Melvin, who I put a picture up on Twitter of. He is oh, it came with that. It came with that. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. It's a yeah, it's a cute little thing they add in the box. Mm-hmm. Uh, what would I say? You know, most of the stuff just worked out of the box trying to think of if anything didn't work i mean i had some weirdness with my monitor but it turned out that i had hit the hardware switch that changes it to av mode oh yeah so i have issues with hardware switches how how was the uh um just like the whole booting it up and starting to use it you didn't there was nothing remarkable about it which is sort of i guess a good thing isn't it yeah it was it was pretty good in fact i was booting it up while working on my macbook so I did that whole initial setup while working on the other machine. Ah, that's great. So yeah. uh, now we have, uh, we have, I mean, let's see. Uh, I have a wild dog in here, but this is a little bit, um, it's not as, uh, it's, it's like uh, not as long, I guess, is the way to put it. I'm trying to think about how to describe it. It's surprisingly compact. Would you agree? Yes. Yeah, it, it's pretty small. In fact, it's sitting, you have a picture up right now. It's sitting on the, I have one of those fancy L desks. Mm-hmm. So it's sitting on the corner piece of my desk with an iPad Pro next to it. And mm-hmm. Samsung, apparently. Um, I would, what is it, like two by three, maybe? Not even, right? One and a half by two. It, it's a pretty small box. Yeah, that, that sort of appeals to me, too. So, yeah. Well, congrats. I'm really glad you got it. And so far, uh, any issues with the uh, Linux setup on it? Everything Linux-wise is going okay? You know, everything seems fine. Uh, my whole tool chain's up and running on it. The only thing I don't have is a remote building for iOS yet. Mm. It's just uh, time and you know priorities, so mm. I do still have to do some builds on the MacBook. Mm. No, nah, I mean, you could, or you could just leave it. You know, don't bother. Ah, don't bother. Just uh, give up on that. Uh, just so, give up on that. You know, I uh, I don't know when you wanted to announce it, but we do have a little uh, we do have a little um, a, a thing we have a thing to talk about in today's episode. I teased it in the Linux Action Show on Sunday. Do you want to yes. wait for a little bit to talk about it? Do you want to talk no, about? No, let's it? do it now. You okay. can tease. You tease. Okay, it right yeah, in the I am teasing now. Here's the thing, though, Mike is so I I am not as fully prepared for the Coder Radio program as I traditionally would be because Comcast was just here and I literally they just got our internet back up before I got on the air. 
So I, I would have normally pre-produced this next moment for you, but instead, you and I will we'll just do it live. We'll take a moment. So uh, we're going to be announcing a coding challenge on the show. And as I think probably the first thing that came to your mind, Mike, and of course the first thing that came to my mind, is we're going to need a jingle. Gonna need a jingle. Gonna need a jingle. So I got, I, got, I got five choices, and you just got to pick from one of these five. I've narrowed it down, and you decide which will be our coding challenge jingle. Are you ready? Jingle number one. It's the coding challenge. Okay, that's jingle number one. All right. I, mean, I like it. Yep. Uh, jingle number two. Oh, Funkified. Yeah, it's nice and short, too. It's nice and short. And then, so that's number two. Number three, we got uh, kind of dramatic. It's the coding challenge. And it's just a stinger like that. Just a boom. It just hits you. And then here's one that's kind of techie. Coding challenge. You like that one? Damn it, Jim. I'm a programmer, not a proctologist. And then last but not least, coding challenge. <laughs> I like. I think I like number two. Let me hear that funky yeah, groove. Yeah, again. yeah, yeah. Everybody, it's the Cody Challenge on Coda Radio. Yeah, right. Get your bell bottoms and afros ready. Let's that do is this. good. All right, I'm uh, promoting that one. That'll be our official jingle. You've called it. So, with, without further ado, it is the Coda Radio Coding Challenge. Oh yeah, it's a new segment on the show. Keeping it fresh after 214 episodes. So the coding challenge sounds pretty cool. I'll, I'll, let, I'll, I'll let you take it from here. Yeah, so again, uh, subreddit, right? Yep. Listen, check the subreddit because that's where I explain myself in much more detail that makes sense. But basically, um, we're going to do a weekly coding challenge on the show. So anyone who listens to the show can submit. You can submit via gist or email. I strongly prefer that you submit via gist because the odds of me missing your email are incredibly high. The odds of me missing your gist are roughly zero. Hmm. If uh, some there's some good comments in here, like people are worried about plagiarism or whatever, so there are solutions to that. But the basic idea is every week we are going to have a coding challenge. We already have one up this week, so if you go into the subreddit, you can see it. It is going to be placed in the subreddit, announced either during or shortly before the show. Um, points are awarded, you know, very vaguely for creativity of your solution. How easy is it for someone to read and understand your solution and the performance and also, you know, general coolness. So basically there's an X factor there. Cool. You can use any language, any platform you like, even PHP, <laughs> which I got a couple emails about. Yeah. <laughs> you will not, there will not be like demerits for using PHP or anything like that. <laughs> hey, just to check. Um, can I? <laughs> right. So at the end of the month, whoever has the most points and there cannot be a four way tie. So this is where I'm making it a little hard. You have to win more than one week. You'll get a Coda Radio mug. Oh. And I'm told by Angela that they're newer and snazzier than ever. New mugs. That's right, everybody. New mugs. So are you ready for the first coding challenge? Man, I am super ready. All right, Chris. Are you familiar with Blackjack? Yeah. The game, you mean? Or you mean the uh, guy in the chat room? Uh, the game. Okay, yes. Uh, roughly, you know, I know, like, the uh, the goal is... is uh, you want to try to get uh, 21 or less and uh, beat the dealer, right? That, or, or is that – yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's it. 21 or less and beat yeah. the dealer. Exactly. Yeah, yeah that's my so, rough knowledge. I've played it electronically. I've never actually sat down at a casino and played it, though. I've been tempted, but I think I would probably not do go. well. So assuming a standard – this is the challenge. Assuming a standard 52-card deck – 52 cards, right? One deck. This is Atlantic City rules. Write me a blackjack helper that advises the user on the correct play. Your options are hit, stand, double, or split. Oh, as suggested by the basic strategy chart, which I provide for you. You can assume that you are only playing against the dealer, i.e. there are no additional players. Love it. There you go. Now, there are other options. There's split and surrender. You can do that extra credit, but for, for the purposes to fulfill the minimum requirement of the challenge, you just have to take into account hit, stand, double, or split. Oh, I'm sorry. I did have split. So the only one I ignored was surrender or insurance. Don't worry about insurance. Okay. But if you do surrender, you get extra points. I love that it's a. I love this. I love that it's a card game helper. That's awesome, blackjack helper. Yes. So I could yeah, see. So I, I, 
I can yeah, see this I too. Think- as the as the show goes on, we might have to make adjustments from time to time. Like uh, perhaps like like some people are suggesting making a dedicated GitHub page or account for it at yeah. some point. Yeah, those things. Those things. We'll just let you guys know if we decide to make changes. There, we'll just sort of evolve it as a as it sort of if it takes off and all that. So this looks like a lot of fun. Yeah, I think it should be fun. I mean, I I know a couple people messaged me were worried about well, what if you know I do it and then somebody cheats? How will you know? I'm going to assume that no one's going to cheat. Or if they do, it would be fairly obvious. And then they um, get a mug. Oh, no. <laughs> I know. A, a, a $4 coffee mug. Like, that, they must want that mug real bad. <laughs> so. Real bad. <laughs> they could probably have it. <laughs> wow. Well, and we've already got about seven submissions. Coderadio.reddit.com. Yeah. If you want to read more, you can find the, uh, the thread there. Cool. Seven submissions, huh? Yeah. Since I just posted so then it now, last night. So now, the, so now, the, now next week we do the reveal? Is that the... Right, so you get a week lead time. So this one I put up early just because it was the first one. Yeah, cool. Well, now I now I get to sit back and look forward to see what happens. So I noticed that uh, you were kind of hankering to do like a feedback-heavy episode of the Coda Radio. I know. Which we haven't done in a while, feedback. so that's, I think that's a great idea. Um, and there's some good ones in there. Holy smokes. Uh, <clears throat> so why don't I start? I'll kick us off. Uh, I'll do a, a mention for Linux Academy right here at the top, and then we'll jump into it. LinuxAcademy.com slash coders. That's the URL you go to get a discount and to let them know you heard about it here on the show to say, yep, the Coder Radio program sent me. You guys are getting some money's worth there by investing in Coder Radio, keeping them going, and giving you a great deal. I love the arrangement. It's nice, clean, simple, and easy. We don't need crazy data metrics about where you listened, what your age range is, or what region you live in, or what sex you are. We just... If you go use our, if you go, if you go there from time to time, linuxacademy.com slash coders, check out their offering, sign up for their service. That's it. That's the nice arrangement. It's nice, clean, and easy. And I thank Linux Academy for their longtime sponsorship of the Coder Radio program. It's a platform for you to learn more about all of the topics around Linux. Oh! So it's just great. It's constantly being updated with new course material. Instructor mentoring is available when you need it. It has a fantastic community. It has availability planners that work with your busy schedule. They help put really big topics into basic conceptual hours. They have some of the best AWS training and OpenStack training out there. And one of the things I think that you'll notice once you subscribe to Linux Academy is they're working really hard to keep their back catalog current and up-to-date as well. They have a bunch of distributions you get to choose from that automatically adjust the courseware and the servers, and they'll spin them up when you need them, including those AWS instances. Check them out at linuxacademy.com slash coders. If you haven't been there in a while, go check out their brand new website. Oh! Make it all nice and up-to-date. You can keep track of your progress as you go I should mention, too, which I haven't really in a while, they also have courseware on Azure, which is really a sign of the times. Check it out. LinuxAcademy.com slash un... Oh, don't give it to those guys. LinuxAcademy.com slash coders. That's the secret URL. LinuxAcademy.com slash coders. And a big thank you to Linux Academy for sponsoring the Coder Radio program. Commit new skills to your local repo. <laughs> LinuxAcademy.com slash coders. Okay, so let's jump into the feedback. This uh, first one is back to Java. And yes. uh, see, uh, came in from Craig, and Craig writes, uh, all this Java talk, and I kind of want to learn it again. I took a couple of classes a year ago in school, but I didn't really get all that much from them. So it sort of put me off. Where would you recommend I start to learn today? Any medium is fine by me, although I do prefer video. Cheers, Craig. Interesting, getting back into Java and where to start now on something like Java that does have a ton of legacy, and that makes it sometimes that does make it a little hard to figure out where to go to get the sort of current gospel. That's a good question. Do you? I. I. Whoa, whoa, what is that? What was that? Is that your chair? I think that new mic. I just heard your chair. Or that was the door from the other room. Oh. (laughs) Okay. So, what do you think? Where should Craig go? Yeah, uh, I, there's actually a lot of great content up on YouTube. I think they're, what is it, Coding Coffee, Coffee Coding Break, something like that, hmm. that they have. Uh, Pluralsight's always a good choice, right? Although I think Pluralsight will organize it more by framework rather than Java. I could be wrong. Um, I do have a Pluralsight account, but I've been finding actually like the free content on YouTube better. Oh, really? Yeah, which, which you know, I, I've never been a huge Pluralsight fan. I, I they purchased the company I, I was subscribing to, TechPub, and that is how I ended up in Pluralsight. 
Hmm. Yeah. I. Jeez. Uh, I. I would say the thing. The only thing about the YouTube videos, and I do. I do also find YouTube to be a pretty handy resource. Is the uh, the quality can vary so much. Yeah. So so much. And so I wonder if you'd have to. You'd, I guess if he's had some previous exposure, he might be able to sniff test that. You just really have to be cognizant of that. Right. I mean, I also like the Manning Press books. Right. The Pragmatic mm. Programmers books. They're good if you want it. But I know he said video. Well. Also, uh, Linux Academy does have an introduction to Android development, which covers oh, do they? yeah, which does cover some of those Java basics as well. Okay, well there you go. That might be another way to go too. Uh, all right, next email comes in from I'm going to say Jedediah. Jedediah writes, "Here's a little feedback to last week's discussion on Java EE. I've been a Java enterprise developer since the early years of Java EE, and my opinion of Java EE, if it goes away, absolutely nothing will change." Sure, it may affect projects written by former COBOL developers who didn't know any better, but anyone doing any real enterprise work has moved to Spring, JPA, or a hybrid solution about 10 years ago. Java EE started off as a solution for only the the largest 1% of companies with their convoluted enterprise and stateful and stateless beans. Since Tell yeah. us how you really feel. Don't yeah. pull any punches. That's now. good. Stateful and stateless beans. That's a, that's that. Since EE was so terrible to work with, projects like Hibernate and Spring come to be. Ever since then, Java EE has been ripping off these projects to create their own bastardized Damn. specification. The only difference is their specs is way worse than just using the original. I am betting on Oracle's next big EE announcement is that they ripped off Spring Boot. Okay, so first of all, those of you who are going to write hate mail. I did not write this. Yeah. <laughs> Let us start. Let's yeah. start from right there. Yeah, this is not a. It is a jackass. So, no. <laughs> so just a general. We got a ton of feedback on this Java EE yeah, stuff. Yeah, and we did throw our lure out there and see if we could get any bites. There was, wow. I mean, we went fishing for guppies and we caught a couple marlin. Yeah, we did. And they fought strong, too. <laughs> oh, they fought. I mean, it, and, and it wasn't like. Oh, there's a predominant predominant sentiment. It's like half of you who wrote really, really, really were angry. Yeah, that I was slightly negative, mm-hmm. and perhaps took what I said a little too to heart. And the other half of you were like, "No, you didn't hit it hard enough." Like, right. Yep. You, like kill it. You cannot. So it's true, right? I've been very much talking and, and writing and blogging about Spring Boot. I like Spring Boot. In fact, we're going to be retooling here at Buccaneer, and it looks like we are going to standardize on Spring Boot. Really? You know, my Ooh. lights just flashed, so if, if, I, if you lose me, uh, power outage. Ah, so, lose you, you, so you're loving you Spring? Oh, that's, that's awesome, dude. But, and Spring's, it's funny, because like, oh, that's hipster. It's not new. It's old. Mm. Right? All of, none of this stuff is that new. Spring is old. Every You know, I... I I, I was a little surprised at, at how many people got upset one way or the other, right? Either way, whether you hated Java EE or you loved it about Java EE. It's old, right? I mean, and, and, and to be fair, the, this person wrote the email before Oracle made their announcement. So Oracle says they are not killing it and they have big things planned. But it does sound like they're going to borrow pretty heavily from Spring and Hibernate. So yay. Hmm. But, hmm. Why? I don't know. You go ahead. I mean, I I feel like this was a pretty um, surprisingly divisive topic. Yeah, I think it's interesting when that does happen to us, which it does from time to time, and uh, in a way that it te- I think it sometimes takes us a couple of episodes to fully process it because a lot of times what it means is we've stepped right into the middle of a big transition, and um, it's like it's one of those transitions where we can talk about it conceptually. And then when we do talk about it conceptually, the people that are actually in the trenches that are living the ramifications of decisions that are being made and living the ramifications right. of the things we're speculating about, to them, it's it's still very white hot. And I think what we sometimes don't have is that those two things don't get connected very well, uh, especially well, I, because yeah. the a lot of the developers in, the, in that Java EE space are not well represented in the online conversation. Well, so and this is going to go into our main topic today, which is fashion and software, which I stole from a Reddit comment. Um, you know, one thing I thought I said last week, and I did not get a chance to listen back this morning, was I made a statement how I felt that, you know, anecdotally, based on what I'm seeing, very few new projects from startups 
are being created in Java E. And I said that number was virtually zero. I don't know how that could possibly be a controversial statement. Uh-huh. In that it's so obviously true, right? Like startups are not picking, they're not even picking .NET for the most part. So how would they end up at EE? Well, um, inheriting, well, but I think, inheriting, purchasing. I mean, it can still happen, but yeah, I see what you're startup? saying. A startup? I don't know about a startup, yeah. Yeah, that, that's what I was saying. So remember, I was talking about like startup projects, new greenfield projects um, done by startups. You know, on both sides, the folks who hated EE really hated EE, like, a lot. This is just one email that I picked out of, you know, several. Um, and the people who are defending EE had a very, like, desperate Gallipoli-style, we're-all-going-to-get-gunned-down defense. Coming in hot off the feedback line is some React news, uh, some licensing stuff specifically, Mr. Dominic. Yes, I no longer have to defend my position against React. Oh! Yay! <laughs> so... Um, there is a clause, apparently, that a eagle-eyed subreddit put in the subreddit in the React license that if you take legal action against Facebook, a subsidiary, or a partner, um, it seems to particularly pertain to patents, that you are you rev- your React.js license is revoked. Yikes. So that would be a reason Microsoft and uh, huh. uh, Google are not using React because they – surely want to sue Facebook at some point for patents. Many open source products like Drupal and WordPress are adopting Facebook technologies. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Hmm. Well, there you go. So, All right. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it sounds like a simple thing. Oh, well, don't be a patent troll. But actually, you know, if you're a consultant or anything like that, this is probably a big enough issue that you couldn't do without, you know, customer approval, right? Hmm. And we'll have a link to it in the show notes. Yeah. So, gotta, 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 you gotta catch them all, Mr. Dominic. You gotta catch them all. Oh, no, 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 please. <laughs> all I, right. I've been, I've been Next one it. comes in from NM Quirk. Uh, it is submitted three days ago to the Coda Radio subreddit. Starts off with a, uh, a, a, a just a really strong title Consistently Wrong. <clears throat> sorry, yeah, I, I like, yeah, sorry, I couldn't so, think of a better title, he says. <laughs> Yeah, this one this one's super long, so I'm actually just going to sum it up for okay, him. Okay. Because I think my summary of his argument will actually be a stronger argument than his argument. <laughs> I love it. So he basically doesn't like, and he's you know that I jump from thing to thing. And at the end, he says he doesn't like my comments in Java EE. I'm going to ignore the Java EE thing because I I think that's actually the weakest part of what he's saying. I think the strongest part is like he starts off. You liked QT for a while. And then it seems like you didn't. You didn't. You went into the Windows 8 thing because of Microsoft's incentives, which is true. And then when that turned out not to be viable, you left it. Um, you used to bash Chris about how native would be better than HTML5, and then it turns out that you totally changed your tune. True. You liked Xamarin for a while, and then you didn't. True. Right. So, and he even has lines. I actually do not think this guy is trolling. I think this guy is, and I did send him an even longer reply walking him through all of it, uh, which you can all read that I'm not going to go into in too much detail. But he is seeing things that were done without maybe understanding why they would have been done. Right? Let's take, let's start with the QT thing. Had QT projects, needed to get them done, they got done, they were over. Great. You know, 99% 99% of my business is mobile. So no more QT, right? Um, and also the context at the time in which things were done. I will gladly give that some of these are also being wrong and making bad bets, I would say, are kind of the same thing. So I'll give them that. But I think a better uh, better title, if you wanted it, would have, would have been bad bets, right? The Windows 8 thing. I think I should have known a mile away that the fact that they had to like pay developers to work on their platform means that it's a bad platform. <laughs> yeah, boy, so that's just, just although in re- yeah, I'll, I, yeah, you know when it's brand new, you're like, okay, maybe this is something you can do. But now in retrospect, like, oh boy. Uh, but I, th- I think the two more interesting points he has there, right? Because I don't mind just being flat wrong. Like I was flat wrong about Metro. Hmm. Are the HTML5 and the native thing? Uh, the HTML5 slash native thing. And the Xamarin thing. Now, I want to just really quickly run through the HTML5 native thing and then a little longer with the Xamarin thing. So at the time, 
right? Having been working predominantly on consumer-facing mobile applications, I would still argue that, though I was short-sighted, at the immediate time, HTML5 just really didn't have the performance to get the, uh, how shall we say, extremely bitchy, nitpicky designs designers were demanding of me, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do Though I, I give total props to you, Chris, that you are 100% right that eventually things were going to go HTML5. And I believe that now. And I, I'm frankly, I'm impressed with the JavaScript community, how quickly, and the mobile vendors, how quickly, you know, they've just upped mobile HTML5 and JavaScript, really JavaScript performance, right? And CSS performance, animations, things like that. Um, you know, I think if we look at this period of tech as like a 15-year period, or let's even say 10-year period, starting in like 2008 when the iPhone came out, the big story, other than obviously mobile, will be just the proliferation and the performance gains by the JavaScript community. Yeah. In my opinion. I, mean, I might be wrong, but I, I never would have guessed, you know, in 2006 that in 10 years, JavaScript would be the dominant programming language. You and, know, and, it, and frankly, it is dominant. The, the reality, and I don't, I could be, I'm probably getting this kind of wrong, but and my understanding is a GNOME 3 shell, a huge component of it is JavaScript. And I, it, it, I'm shocked that my main desktop environment that I use in production every single day, I'm doing it right now for this show, is, a, is, is heavily using JavaScript throughout for a desktop environment. And that just, I, yeah, completely blows me away. <clears throat> so even, even the last few years. What about, uh, what about his component, what about his comments on uh, Xamarin specifically? I don't hear you. Did you mute again? I am going to rip this button off. Yeah, <laughs> it's a bit, man. I want somebody. If somebody could cut me together, the times mic muted <laughs> would be good. As a, just, just, a, just be like cursing at the. Keep, I, keep listening. It'll probably happen again. <laughs> again. Uh, all right. So yeah, Xamarin. You know, hmm. two things here. One, Xamarin's I'm sure a lot better than it was at the time. So you have to remember, I was a very early adopter of Xamarin. And when we say Xamarin, we really mean Xamarin Forms, right? Because that, that's what I really was using. Um, I will totally say that I bought the marketing bullshit. Hmm. But my issue was actually turned out to be there was just a memory leak on Android. You know, And it was a, it was a really bad memory leak. It, you know, and because Xamarin at the time, Xamarin Forms was proprietary, I had no way to fix that. So I was screwed. Um, I think really, you know, I think you're kind of being, I think you're kind of being hard on yourself. I, I well, think what it, happens it, is, is you try out technologies in production and they turn out not to work for you. And so you move on to something else instead of being dogmatic about using a tool that doesn't yeah, exactly. fit. Exactly. I mean, I mean, make Xcode great again, who incredible trolling name in the chat room has, is exactly right. That, you know, you shouldn't just exist to be subservient to some larger, you know, development idea. Sure. Right. Yeah. But the context of the Xamarin thing, and, I, and again, my response to this lays all this out like chronologically is, you know, the app bubble had burst, right? The gold rush was ending or over, depending on who you ask. Contracts were fewer and lower priced, and now getting a um, – being cross-platform was no more optional. Do you know what I mean? So everybody mm-hmm. wanted iOS and Android, and their budget had been cut by twenty five percent or in half. And these were just new assumes. You, you, you these were just, just this was just table stakes now to bid. Yeah. So of course I can't go in with my crazy dogmatic double native stuff and you know not lose money. So I was very, um, very incentivized right by the marketplace. This is the business side of the art and business to find something that would do that. Now, I, w- I ended up backing the wrong horse, is what I would say. Although, honestly, if someone made the same choice today and picked Xamarin, they'd be totally fine. And, or, or if I didn't pick Xamarin Forms particularly, I would have been all right. Yeah, and again, if, if your work case was specifically different or your project was something a right. little different. I mean, there's so many factors uh, that when you're out there doing the work, that at that moment, you have to come up with solutions and answers for that, you know, when you look back at it, you can say, oh, that's, that's being wishy-washy or whatever you want to call it. But I, I think it's really just... Tried this solution, this solution didn't work. Tried this solution, this solution didn't work. If I tried it again today and for a different problem, it might just be the exact solution. Yeah, I, I, I would also say, like, I, I, 
I don't mind Chris's mole. Like, I think this guy was not being a troll. I think he was being uh, fair, if not. The only thing, the only thing I didn't quite, the only part that sort of got me a little bit was uh, at the end. He says, "If you're going to bash something, back it up, because you have a very polarizing opinion that doesn't help the industry with new people coming in all the time." And the only reason why that bothered me is because there's sort of an assumption with that statement that you are somehow a response you are responsible for being a good steward of people that come into the industry and that it is it is right. it is an incumbent upon you to guide these new cubs into the industry gently and that you are harming the future landscape of software development by not taking these cubs gently into the new ecosystem like i'm not quite sure what that statement is but what it seems to imply is that you hold some grand responsibility when what your responsibility well, is is to share with the audience your experience and that is some of the most useful things to share. You know, I, I think discussing things that, that didn't audience? work with, with those is people. Prob- <clears throat> Sorry, yeah. go ahead. No, no, I, you know, I think discussing things that didn't work is probably more valuable than discussing things that didn't. Right, that's work, my. Right? That's what I was trying to say. Is yeah. th- that if if you if there was a if there was a service that could be provided to people who are new to the industry, it is exactly the experience of man. I tried this solution for this case, and it didn't work for me. And this is why it didn't like, work. And and what's great it, about it yeah. is they get to hear they get to hear the build up to this is the thing. This is why this is how I want to solve the thing. This is why I think the solution is great. They get to hear it implemented and then they get to hear whether that worked well or man, that thing didn't work well. That solution sucked. I'm not doing that again. That is to to actually have that entire process. If you're coming into the industry for the first time, that's where the value is. It's not it's not in hiding yeah. or curbing the strength of an opinion. That is well, not helping anyone. Like, I you know, I may be kind of a jackass. Right, I, which is fair. Um, for instance, you know, after I reread what I wrote here and reread what this guy wrote and kind of thought about the past, I think I definitely overreacted to offshore pressure and to, um, you know, I, I I way overreacted to downward price pressure. Though I did have to do something, and I still do think, or I currently think, that the hybrid Ionic style it doesn't necessarily need to be Ionic, right? Uh, development is the current thing that I would strongly recommend. But I would also say that, you know, I have been like, I bashed the shit out of Swift, right? I, we, we live covered it and I freaked out, which is true. Obviously that wasn't correct though. I will say that I'm factually right that there have been more junior iOS developers created by Swift and it's been easier for them. And I'm seeing Swift camps all over the place. Though it turns out that, you know, I don't have a ton to fear from them. You know, just because it's different, right? Um, And when I did really take the time, the couple months to kind of learn Swift, a couple months doesn't make you an expert, but enough to, you know, do something. It's not half bad. I mean, it's, you know, I still think Objective-C is better. I still prefer Objective-C. But I obviously have, you know, a decade in Objective-C, which gives me a huge bias. Mm Mm-hmm. And I, I don't think saying that, oh, you have biases and you, you know, it is in your interest that Swift maybe, you know, it would have been better for me if Swift didn't happen. Well, obviously, right? A barrier to competition, you know, if you could ask the Kellogg's company, hey, can you, can we get rid of like General Mills? Can we do that? They'd love that. Mm-hmm. They'd, that's great. Or, or ask Cheerios, can, can we like outlaw generic brand cereal for topping <laughs> Cheerios? They they would be so happy. Or the pharmaceutical company in cannabis. Oh. Oh, or the pharmaceutical companies in any drug they patent, but we don't even need to go into that. <laughs> so I, I, I think it's fair. I, I but not just me, right? When you listen to particularly there are now, you know, newer than this show by years, a lot of Apple focused developer podcasts. Yeah. I would keep in mind, just like you should when I talk, that I have a specific business incentive and a specific set of um, you know, interests that may conflict or whatever. So does anybody who like makes all their money on one platform, right? And I, I would say that my biases are are definitely more obvious. Like I want to be able to sell people contracts to do things. And that's kind of the extent of my you know corruption in the, in this person's sort of point of view. Yeah, and I, I, I actually, I'm, I'm glad he made the post. I'm sure it wasn't an easy post to no, make. No, I think it's a good post, and I, and I don't mean to like slag him off or anything. I, I think it's fair, but I think you, without context, 
it just seems like I'm trying to clickbait or whatever. I think it's I think it it felt a little disconnected from uh, a sort of an it felt it felt like it lacked a little insight into what was probably behind some of it. So I think that you provided exactly that because. Uh, you were the perfect person to do so. And I just uh, – you know, my only complaint was that comment at the end really because I felt like he was sort of – it felt angry. It felt like a comment made out of anger. Uh, well, it's it's the whole like – we you know, and you know that we've gotten these from like PR people saying, hey, you talk about this and we're a big company and we compete with them and you always say bad things about us. You know, have somebody from us on the show, right? We, we get that sometimes. And, you know, I don't necessarily think that we're journalists. And, <laughs> In fact, I, I don't not. think at all because I, mean, I have a Coors Light on my desk right now. So oh, we could we could start like uh, we could start wearing uh, our uh, our journalist uh, glasses that we pull off, and then we when we talk about things, then you know. It's Good nice. God, man! A new compiler came out this morning. <laughs> glasses come off. <laughs> uh, all right, Mr. Dominic. Well, uh, before we get into the next segment of the show, I want to thank DigitalOcean for sponsoring the Coda Radio program. Go over to DigitalOcean right now, friends, and spin yourself up some infrastructure in no time and use our promo code CODERDIGITAL, one word lowercase, all smooshed together, and uh, you'll get a $10 credit. Now, they work in an hourly pricing, so you can try out pretty much anything on DigitalOcean for free for $10. Spin something up. See what it's like to create a machine that is super wicked fast. They have SSDs for all of their drives, starting at $5 a month. You can get 512 megabytes of RAM, a 20-gigabyte SSD, one CPU, and a terabyte of transfer. And they have data centers in New York, San Francisco, Singapore, Amsterdam, London, Toronto, Germany, and India now. And they really have a great interface. <laughs> it's great. And it's, it's good, like, just as a, as, a, as a UI to do this task, regardless of the fact that it's a web app. Everything works on my mobile device. I love that. They have a straightforward API with lots of good open source apps already written around there, stuff that plugs into your favorite thingamabobbers or stuff that works with your favorite thingamadoers. They really, like, for example, uh, have libraries that you could just plug right in with Python. Just use it. Just use it with your Python already. Go go all Python crazy. Got the rubies? Use it with the rubies. They'll go all ruby on you. What's that? You got an IRC bot called JBot? Yeah, they'll go all bot on you. Sure. With that that great, great, great API. I kid, but it actually is pretty cool. And one of the nice things about DigitalOcean is they treat the API really seriously as part of the platform feature set. And so they iterate it. They give documentation around it. All their documentation is really good. DigitalOcean.com. Just use our promo code coder digital. It's, you go once you're in there, you set up your machine, you can apply it to your account when you're doing your payment stuff, and you'll get the $10 credit. Use the promo code coder digital at DigitalOcean.com. Go check them out with that great control panel. Droplets all over the world. They got FreeBSD, Fedora, Debian, Ubuntu, CentOS, CoreOS, entire application stacks, or just the base OS. That's one thing that's really mind-bending, too. You hear about it all the time, probably through our show and other shows, but legitimately, it's super cool to work in something. Maybe it's an LXD container. Maybe it's a Docker container on your local system. And then put it up and download it to your DigitalOcean droplet and have it going within moments. Because when you want like this would be this is something i've done for testing just on numerous occasions is i will spin up just the base ubuntu system with docker pre-installed an lts ubuntu with docker pre-installed image you deploy that and it is you're, you're going in minutes you can also add your ssh key at the time of creating the droplet which really makes it faster so you just uh i love it DigitalOcean.com. Use the promo code CODERDIGITAL. And a big thank you to DigitalOcean for sponsoring the Coder Radio program. And go check out their documentation because the block storage is online and they've got documentation on how to use that block storage. Thanks, DigitalOcean. DigitalOcean.com. Use the promo code CODERDIGITAL. Okay, Mr. Dominic. So fashion in software. What is this? What is fashion in software? Mm-hmm. <coughs> Mute switch. Mute switch. Mute switch. It was the software mute switch that time. <laughs> this is the this is episode two hundred and fourteen, and I think this is the first time we have ever had this problem. <laughs> you are you are a madman with too many switches over there. All right, so tell me about fashion and software. <laughs> yeah, so you know. So this is an interesting topic, right? Because yeah, okay. Let's just keep my hands, you know. And like the behind my head arrested position, just in case. Um, <laughs> God damn it! There's too many mute switches. There's too many. <laughs> All right. Okay, go ahead. I'm good. I'm good. I'm first. good. I'm good. 
So, jeez. Okay. Buzzwords, right? You know how things kind of get crazy? Um, you know, the cloud, Ionic, Angular, whatever the buzzword of the week. React.js, which has an amazing license agreement. Reactive Cocoa, which is... Ugh. Anything like that that becomes a buzzword. I mean, what, what was um, I'm trying to think, Chris. What are the recent buzzwords? I think React is probably the biggest one right now. Yeah, I, I would say also the, the buzzwords that I'm hearing a lot about are all like in containerization capacities too. A lot of that stuff is just super buzz heavy right now. Everything is real buzz heavy too. Whenever you're going to put something on anyone else's platform, because not only like. It, Take Bitbucket or, or take uh, Jira or GitHub. They all have – everybody has like their own vernacular of of buzzwords. So you have dynos, you have droplets, you have, you know, uh, um, you have even, yeah. even VPSs. Like, all of these different things are just like layering on top of each other now. Like, yeah. a, like yeah. a big peanut butter and jelly sandwich of acronyms and buzzwords. So, you know, one of the things that – I think we don't talk enough about on the show is like the business of consulting. Bacon. And, you know, did, did I mute myself again? No. Oh, thank God. Uh, the business of consulting and kind of being like an independent, either 1099 consultant or running a shop and how actually buzzwords end up being a necessary evil. Mm, tell me about that. this. How, 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 so, how is that yeah, possible? So one of the, so let's go right back to that uh, Reddit comment about me being wrong about HTML5 way back when. Well, one thing I was right about with HTML5 was that when HTML5 became the standard way to develop mobile apps for enterprises, which it currently is, you uh, enterprises were more likely and are right now more likely to have the shop or their vendor or whoever do the development and then have their own internal web developers maintain the app. Mm -hmm. So that is now a lost opportunity for maintenance contracts mm -hmm. or follow-on work for the most part. That was true, right? That was a reason I, you know, that was a reason that native would be better for the vendor. There's okay. a bigger argument in there about like commoditization and standardization, right? The more standard a technology becomes, uh, the more commoditized it becomes, and therefore the more common it is for particularly large businesses to have those types of developers in-house and not need to hire a contractor. Are you with me so far? I am. So let's take a look at you know, a bigger example than me. And I, I love ThoughtBot. I think they're great. But I'm going to use them because they're very vocal. They do the podcasting thing. And it's you know they do everything. In, they do a lot of things in public. So it's easy to, to point to things. Are you familiar with them at all, with their history? Uh, probably, but I might need a quick refresher a little bit. So ThoughtBot is probably one of the biggest uh, dev consulting shops in, that I'm aware of. I mean, probably, right. you know, other than like, like, you know, we're not talking like Lockheed and we're not talking like Booz Out, like non-government contractors right? mm -hmm. um, that are doing kind of the, they were really early and really prominent to embrace Ruby on Rails. And they kind of ended up positioning themselves, I mean, you know, earned it, right? I'm not, I'm not, I am not sagging them off at all. I think they're great. I, I know some thought botters that they know their stuff. Ship an uh, iOS but, app in six weeks. Right. They ended up, well, that is a rare case. They wrote a case study, but they ended up shipping them, uh, positioning themselves as like the go-to rails development company. Fair enough. Right. Yep. Over time, rails became somewhat commoditized. Mm -hmm. So I don't know how much you know or don't know. Well, I know you know a lot about the, uh, economics of running a consulting shop mm -hmm. but commoditize is not where you want to be if you have domestic employees correct and that's pretty much puts you underwater yeah unless you can get some sort of big uh like sustainable revenue sources right. that's that's a dangerous that's thing that's really really bad mm -hmm. now I, I also want to like go in here i don't because i know uh to kresny who's a good commenter also put like zed shaw yeah people have had comments about that and the way they do things and fair enough right i Let's just assume table stakes that ThoughtPot is an example of a what I consider a good development shop. Um, and let's just assume that they're you know everything's good. It's not. We don't need to attack people. It's not. I don't think it's a correct way to do things. Uh, I would have mentioned anyone by wouldn't have mentioned them by name if that's what I intended. They then transitioned as mobile became larger into mobile because. Now, they didn't drop Rails, right? They started adding mobile to mm -hmm. their offerings. Mm -hmm. Yep. 
Now, and, and that, that's a pretty obvious thing, right? Because mobile was the new front end. So let's not even worry about that. Now, have you noticed some of their open source and kind of their output? They've really been chasing different things. Uh, Phoenix. Uh, yeah. Was, called Bourbon, yep, right? yep. I was going to comment on Phoenix. Yes. Some Elixir stuff. For a little while, a couple of their guys were really trying to talk up like Haskell and Haskell-like things, the functional programming. Do you ever wonder, other than, you know, maybe sincere interest in these things, if they're, why would Thoughtbot pay their employees or contractors to do this sort of thing? Mm. They need to catch the next wave. Right. Because if you can get in, if you can hit the next big technology trend that all these companies are going to want to hire contractors for before everybody else does, or at least you can be one of the early ones within that first year, you can charge, you know, really high rates and have nice margins. So this is kind of a branding problem. Um, and, it, you know, this basically, right, it's fashion. It's being, they're trying to catch, you know, the next ultra mini, mini, mini skirt or the next snake plaid from the 80s. If anybody remembers that, Godspeed. <laughs> um, you know, another thing they were big into the SCSS stuff, right? All the coffee scripts. Like, they have been, because they're huge, they're able to diversify really, really well. But it doesn't change the fact that, you know, this is something that shops do, and they're just a really obvious big public example of it. And smaller shops tend to have to pick something and bet. And unfortunately, part of betting is losing most of the time. Like, you could not have told me, you know, circa 2008, that the iPhone was going to change the world. Total accident. But the fact that I ended up there really, really helped me. Mm -hmm. uh, this is kind of one of those things. And, you know, I definitely understand how, like, people who are, like, working jobs, they're doing their, you know, it seems like some of these type of, like, more out there, uh, you know, consultants or shops or whatever are kind of chasing trends. And I'm just going to be bold here and say it's because they are or we are. And I'll go even further and say because we kind of have to. Because if you look at the, the argument consultants tend to have to make now, it's you should hire us instead of your employee or have your employees do this because either they can't, which is the easiest argument to make, or you know, in the in the case where the employees are overbooked, that that's easy. But you know, there has to be some value prop, right? Mm -hmm. Like, why pay a consulting shop double what you pay your employees if your employees can do HTML just as good as them and are available? Does any of this make sense? Yeah, I actually think you're nailing it. I think you're nailing yeah, and we're, it. Yeah, we're seeing it too. And I, I mentioned ThoughtBot because they're an open source example. They're big into the open source community. But we could talk about you know, .NET shops. <laughs> and a lot of them are pushing .ASP Core very, very hard right I think now. if anything, the smaller shops feel the pressure a little more because... Yeah, I would say I, I saw smaller guys because we don't get as many opportunities to be wrong. Right. They have they have a war chest of not only finances but also expert personnel, you know, a deeper bench there. And so right. they're able to influence the direction of things a little more than a smaller shop can. So their bets can be a little bit more they have a little more say in how their bets pay out play out because they potentially could hire the core developer of a project that they need to be successful for their bet to play, to pay out. You know, so it's they have they have sort of a larger marketplace advantage. They have partnerships and they can create partnerships and they have contracts with large companies and et cetera, et cetera, that sort of give them well, a little more leeway in making these bets. They have right, more they, time have to see if something plays that. out. They can see if this is going to they can they can run with something longer than than a smaller shop can because they have much more runway than a smaller shop has. Because you know, there's just there's a lot of advantages there. So I think the smaller shops feel it a little a little more, like yourself, probably. Yeah. Well, I, yeah, I would say you know, and this is something I'm kind of going through. You know, a smaller guy, what you end up doing is you end up in these positions where if one of your bread and butter technologies has become commoditized you end up really feeling the heat to pivot. And remember, this is over a time frame of like five to seven years. Right? This is not a month. Um, the problem is, what do you pivot to? Because, you know, let's say, let's just say I was like, yay, Elixir. That's probably not a good idea. Because there's just not that many people who want Elixir work. Right? Phoenix, 
I can't even think of anybody. <laughs> no, it is a cool technical thing, and I think it's awesome. Yeah. And I'm I listen. I listen to all their shows. I read all their stuff. I think it's great, but it has no bearing on my day to day. You could say, okay, we'll go be a Java EE developer. Well, great, but there, you know, Tech Mohindra and other Indian consulting companies already exist, and that would basically be suicide, right? Yeah, because you don't have the protection of government contracting where it can't be, you know. So, I only want to kind of go into this because we've we've hit it from the shop angle, but I would say even on a larger scale, if you're looking to like maximize your 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 salary or value to your organization. I think it does apply, again, on maybe a longer time scale, maybe 10 years, to individual developers. Um, you know, I would not want to be a vBasic developer today. Chris would, though, because he loves vBasic. Uh, I'm all about QBasic, buddy. So, uh, what about real basic? Peace out. I, I, <laughs> no, no, I wouldn't want to be a real basic developer today. <laughs> today, yesterday, tomorrow, next week. Tomorrow. All right, but now I feel like the thing that is really on everybody's mind, be honest, have you played Pokemon Go? I really have, and I've spent money. <gasps> okay, I'm now, <clears throat> here's the thing, Mike. See, I'm a father of three, and uh, where I live, there's, 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 there's areas of Pokemon, uh, like monuments and gyms, but there's not very many Pokemon, so I bought some incense. For the kids. Uh, I bought kids. Pokeballs and incense, yeah. yeah. And, and the missus is playing it pretty... Uh, She's home with the baby now, so yeah, gotta catch them all. Gotta catch them all. Amazingly, uh, we've had we've had power outages. We've had kernel panics during this show. Somehow, I think we've made it to the end of this week's broadcast. Is there anything else you want to mention before we go? No, no. I would just say, uh, don't forget the coding challenge. Yeah, yeah. Coderadio.reddit.com. In fact, you can also submit show ideas and content there, Mister Dominic. If people want to check you out or what you do as a day job throughout the week, where should they go? Uh, go to Buccaneer.io. Nice. Uh, I'd love to hear more about the new machine next week, too, about how it's been running performance-wise. Yeah, well, yeah, let's go a little deeper into it. Yeah, cool. All right. Uh, the uh, network is at Jupiter Signal. so if there's ever something like an RSS feed issue, heaven forbid, or a DNS problem, I would never think, but at Jupiter Signal, you can right. contact and find out more. I'm at Chris LAS, and you can email the show by going to jupiterbroadcasting.com slash contact and choose Coda Radio from the drop down jupiterbroadcasting.com slash calendar for our live times and jblive.tv for the stream see you right back here next week <laughs>